Thank you, Marsha, or mother, mother of contemporary Christian music. Um, Marsha already also brought with her from Florida, uh, from Beach Walks with our moderator, Nancy Wilson, greetings to us. Greetings to us from the moderator of her denomination. So we thank Marsha for bringing those to us this day. Oh, goodness, I know some of you can say I've been there. Some of you may be able to say I'm still there. Some of you may be saying, I hope I never go there again. But we know as many steps forward as we take, as many theirs as we've been, and as we go forward from them, we can have a slip. And we start again. We start again, and hopefully there's community around us to help us. Help us to create a world of faith built on hope. Do you hear those words of the music? Create a world of faith built on hope. Because uh, wherever we are, if we're in a place of loneliness... The Spirit can help us move into solitude. If we're in a place of hostility, the Spirit will help us move into hospitality. And if we're in a place of illusion, where we don't see what's right before us, the Spirit can move us into the truth of prayer, into those truths where we can build a world. We can build a world of faith based on hope because we can tell the stories of what it means to come through being there, to being where we might be this day. So I want you to know wherever you are on your journey with that, you are welcome here this morning. We have 12-step groups, we have justice groups, we have groups that feed the hungry, we have groups wherever you feel called to be a part of, you can take steps to be there, to see those to work the next steps of your journey in building a world of faith, building a world based on hope. We are indeed about hope here at Resurrection. And I can say that even in the middle of a presidential election year, we can build on hope here at Resurrection. Because what we have going on in our national discussion is something that sometimes feels hopeless, sometimes feels like people can't hear one another, that people talk beside aside one another, beyond each other. So much so that we have fact checks now, and then the fact checkers even confuse you about what they're saying about the facts that they're checking. Let's build a world of faith built on hope, even why all of this national discussion is going on and how we address all of those concerns with one another, how we are so different from each other. And we know it didn't just start this election, we know we've had this experience in previous elections, in local elections, in state elections, in national elections, how the dialogue and the discussion has gotten so polar and so hateful. We know it didn't just start this week. We know that it's been building for time and over generations to where we are at this day, sometimes throwing our hands up in the air. Oh my goodness. I never thought I'd heard that be said from a presidential candidate. Oh my goodness, how did we get here? What has happened to bring us to this place in the national debate of what's happening and going on? And I think our scripture story has something to tell to us about that. It tells us that things happen over many generations to get where we are. Often, by the time we say, ouch, it's something that's been going on for quite a while. And it finally gets to the point where we see it and it's so visible and we go, oh, MG, how did we get here? 
how did we get to this place? But it took generations of ways of being and thinking that brought us to be in where we are today. So there's a book written by this theologian and philosopher Edwin Friedman called Generation to Generation. And he studied the life of families. And he studied the life of churches as families. And he goes on to tell you that whatever you're talking about today started 50 years ago. Whatever your problem or challenge is today started a generation at least one ago. So watch out what may be presenting itself may not be what it's really about. What you may think you can fix with a Band-Aid right now actually needs a lot more work because there's generations bringing it to this place and time. Those of you who were here Christmas Eve might remember from my story about my mother and how important it was for her to have a perfect Christmas tree on Christmas. You remember that story? I told you about the generations of my family and how the generations went through all these different uh, ways of being and growing and having hardship and how that all met and how perfect the Christmas tree was. We weren't going to solve everything by having a perfect Christmas tree. It was not the band-aid to what was going on in our family's generations, but it was thought to be the solution so oftentimes we'll come to a story in scripture, we'll come to a situation in our lives, and we'll want to fix it and fix it quickly. Because when it says ow, or we feel ow, if we're in any sort of pain, uh, well, I mean, some of us may not move away from it too fast, but <laughs> others of us try to create life in a way where pain is not the norm of what we're experiencing. You know, we try to do that in, in, in our lives. And so, Edwin Freeman says that's the reason, out of anxiety, out of low tolerance for pain, we often don't get to the solution we need. We often go for the quick fence, because if we go for the true solution, we might have to hurt a little more. We might have to let the pain go on a little bit more until we can find the place where the solution is. Oh my goodness, so here today, what does this have to do with receiving the Holy Spirit by Samaritans? Well, it was a generational problem. Generations of Samaritans and Jews had interacted with one another. Generations had created an animosity that you just couldn't cross over the barrier and be with one another. Generations had created it so that they could not be family to one another. You know, and not only between the Samaritans and the Jews, we have some other people in this story as well. We have Philip, who goes around baptizing people. And we have, before Philip, Stephen. Philip and Stephen were Jews, but they weren't really the right kind of Jews. Have you heard that before? You see, they never really lived in Jerusalem. They lived out there somewhere beyond Israel, and they spoke Greek. So they lived in the wrong place and they didn't speak the right language. Have you heard that before? So those were Hellenistic Jews, uh, Stephen and Philip, that the story uh, comes from. And they've been doing a great job. You see, the disciples appointed seven Hellenistic Jews to tend to Greek-speaking Jews, to widows who needed help, to those who were hungry. And so the seven, of those seven Jews, two of them were Stephen and Philip, 
And they've been doing a great job. Stephen was doing such a great job that he got himself killed just before this story. He's talking to Jewish people, actually, and he's saying to them, oh, you stick-necked people. Stick-necked, 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 people. You can't move your neck. You're so rigid, you're so stiff. It's gonna, this generation, generation's going to have to pass away because of all these generations of being stiff-necked. Oh, goodness, so Stephen gets himself killed. And right after that, we get into the story of what Philip, the other Hellenistic um, evangelist, is doing. And he's going in and through Samaria, talking about Jesus. And, and when you read the stories, Samaritans are coming by the thousands. Philip is doing a great job by the thousands. It's not an individual personal salvation story. It's a salvation of a whole people, a whole group of folks who are coming to know Jesus in a different way, coming to be a part of a family that they didn't know they could be a part of. And Philip, speaking Greek to Samaritans, is helping make this happen. So the word gets back to Jerusalem. Something's happening in Samaria. We better go see what it's about. We might have to control them in some way. The spirit may be out of control. Is it the spirit or is it Philip? You know? And so coming to Samaria to figure out what's happening is Peter and John. You know, Peter's like the Pope visiting, you know? And John, Jesus' brother in this case, I believe, is are the, the top of the top coming to see what's going on. And we wonder why they had to do this. But I think a couple of things were happening when they did this. Because generationally, Peter and John were separate from Philip and Stephen. They were the right kind of Jews from Jerusalem versus those other Jews in the diaspora that spoke Greek. You know? And so you've got this generational challenge and you've got the challenge of Samaritans. And here they are all meeting in these couple of verses in our scripture story. We're so mad, we're even killing some of the Hellenistic Jews because they're going too far with where the Spirit is taking inclusion these days. Oh, my goodness. So in this passage, Peter and John come, and they pray. And they pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit because they've already been baptized. And they come and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit, and they do. And they do. So this is a story about baptism, and it's not. It's a story about generational challenges and bigotry and racism and economic class and geography and languages. It's a story about all those differences as well and how they came together in the early church only because the Spirit was able to make it so. Only because the Spirit was able to make it so. And so in this story, we have actually a tale of two Simons. This little part of the baptism story, which happens in multiple ways in Acts, I love it. You think there's one way to be baptized? Acts says there's about 20. You know, you think there's one way to receive the Holy Spirit? Acts says there's about 20. And I want to tell you that whatever you think, you can find it in the Bible, so you can say you're right. But each and every one of you can say the same thing, that you're right too. 
So in this baptismal story, with all these different generational challenges coming together in it, there's two Simons. It's wrapped in between the story of Simon the Magi. And Simon the Magi was a Greek-speaking person who had been following Philip around and became baptized because Simon felt the Spirit's pull on his heart. And Simon was baptized with all of the Samaritans in that moment. And Simon saw Simon Peter come and lay hands on those and they received the Holy Spirit. And Simon was popular. He was a magician. He did spectacular signs. And so people thought he was a great and spiritual person himself. And so in seeing this spectacular thing, Simon said, I must have it. And offers money to Peter for the gift of this prayer and the gift of the Spirit coming. And Peter wasn't really generous. Did you notice? Peter said, go to hell, you and the horse you came in on. Did you notice? Go to hell, you and the horse you came in on. You and your money, take it away from here. Go away. You know, not very kind at all. There's no quick fix, Peter says. You can't just shell up some dollars and make it happen. There's a journey you're being invited to come on as part of this family that you can be a part of, but if you're going to try to buy it, well, just take that horse and go. There's no reason for you to be a part. And I call it a tale of two Simons because I believe Simon Peter got what Jesus had said to him. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, and on the way to Jerusalem, about to be crucified, Simon Peter sees the danger. And Simon Peter says to Jesus, well, we can go over here. We can do great ministry over here. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. There's lots of places we can go and never get to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, if you remember, to Simon Peter says, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. That may indeed be a smoother, easier, more popular road. But that's not the journey I'm called to be on. Get thee behind me, Satan. So Peter had known the experience of someone saying, go to hell. And had stayed on the journey enough to know that there was wisdom beyond the proclamation. So here we have two Simons, both been told to go away, and we don't know which Simon are you today. Are you the Simon Peter who has taken the journey step by step and know that it's not a quick fix anymore, that there's no Band-Aid? Are you Simon the Magi who is saying, oh, this is great and spectacular and makes me feel good, and let me get fixed right now. Right now, I'll settle for a Band-Aid. Well, what the scripture story tells us is band-aids don't do it. In order for these generational challenges between Samaritans and between Greek-speaking Jews and Hebrew-speaking Jews to be settled, it takes a life journey walking together. And some people are going to try to shortcut it. Some people are going to try and get a quick fix. And what we have to remind them is, oh, no, God's with us for the whole journey to create a world of faith built on hope. God's with us for the whole journey and that means when the band-aid doesn't cut it, we're going to have to dig in deeper. And it might hurt some. And it might require some sacrifice. But what we know is that's what Jesus calls us into. I'm so excited that we're going to be doing the new Jim Crow study. 
I'm so excited that we're going to be doing that. I've read the first chapter. I'm getting ready for it. Reverend Vicki and I are facilitating it on Sundays starting next week. But what it says is, no band-aids will work. What it says is, this is a generational problem. It started generations ago. So there isn't going to be a quick fix. Now that may make you want to run. But what it should do is give you an invitation. An invitation from the Holy Spirit to say, if Hellenized Jews and Jewish Jews and Samaritans and people of different languages and cultures can find in the Spirit a way to talk to one another and receive God's grace and have the Holy Spirit make a new people, then we should be able to do it too. We should be able to do it too. And we should know in the midst of that, any of this political war against one another has been the result of generations of people not trusting one another, being fearful of one another, competing to win rather than build relationships. So how can we as a people of God? I ask you this for yourself. You may need a Band-Aid to stop an immediate ouch, but please pay attention. God calls us into healing beyond Band-Aids. Amen.